morning. <laughs> I had Karen laughing because I said, D, I don't want me to touch it because when I touch it, things go sideways. And so, that literally, yeah, literally and figuratively, maybe. Turn with me to uh, Isaiah 43. Now, these are, I, I, I'm using the, jump off using the verses that are for this Sunday. If you look on the third year of what verses are being taught from, so I'm going to use some of them. And uh, it took me different places. I... Uh, Let me pray for a minute. Thank you, Lord, for worship and song. We ask you to speak to each of us, saying what you want to say. Let there be a real communication back and forth. Holy Spirit, we invite you to manifest in our hearts, our minds, our bodies. Have your way. Quicken us so that our relationship can be current with our God and Father and with Jesus Christ, our Lord. One God, three persons. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this last week, uh, I'm only illustrating out of my personal life because um, we have all have personal lives and things to do. I built a log house from a kit. I saw this kit up um, on the mountain, uh, Sand Mountain, just before we went into Gunnersville. It was called Liberty Log Homes. They were building log kits in Centerville, Alabama, and you could buy different size houses. And so I kept going by there and seeing this place when I would go to my uncle's house in Huntsville. And so I, <laughs> we decided we would stop, Jan and I did, and look at this house. It was a little bit bigger than the one that I built. So we started building on it. We had the parts delivered and all that kind of thing. I'm 28 years old. It's the day after Christmas, 1978. Laura is not quite a year old yet. She will be by the time I move in. We move in uh, the day after school ended, the school year of 78-79. And I was 28, and I lived there 28 years. So now... If my calculations are right, the structure is now 43 years old. And Tuesday, we put a sign out to say somebody else could buy the house if they want to live there. Life is short and long all at the same time. Um, I have two or three old Bibles. I tend to drop them a lot. It's not through use as much as me carrying them around with me, and I have a, I, I like these new inductive study Bibles for some reason, New American Standard, and I looked up, I had my, another one up on my desk here, 
I thought I would look up Isaiah 43 and see what, did I write anything in there in any particular year? And I did. I, I wrote this phrase, just this, trust God. I boxed that in in the year 2009. So now that is, what, 13 years ago. And I, and I found it four or five places in the scriptures that it felt like it was saying it to me, trust God. So I, I tend to make little notes. That's why I like the margins of this particular Bible. I can write in it. So I'll probably tell you some of the places here that I ran into this. Um, of course, in the official reading, this is a chapter in the Old Testament that they've taken a little section of on this after Advent and the birth of Jesus. But this is... I'm just going to read what it says to me, kind of, or what I get out of it. So New American Standard, Isaiah 43, verse 1. And now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. We just... We just cruise right over that so many times as Christians. You have, everyone in this room right now, as I look around, I know that you all have relationships with God. Now, a lot of times we have people at different stages of, you know, they're investigating God or, or they're maybe they're, you know, they're having a little personal war with God or others, they've just gotten to know him or they've known him for 50, 60 years. There's just all kinds of things, but... He's saying to them, I have, I have redeemed you. I've paid for you. I have called you by name. You belong to me. Sometimes as Christians, we, we, I tend in the past, in times in my life, where I forget this. It's such, so obvious, but I forget it. I start treating it as if he saved me for me. So that I could go do what I wanted to do. And, and then he kind of, uh, like your dog on the leash, when, you know, your, the dog keeps running and then he runs out of leash, you know, and that collar, yeah, you know, kind of stops him. He's young, so he's okay with that. But we're all on a leash in the sense it's God's leash and collar, and we wouldn't want it any other way. And it's, a, it's this active relationship. But he started this. He picked us out. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And that's one of those places I wrote, trust God out there. Whatever the waters of your life at different times, ever how many years you're here on this earth. And through the rivers, and they'll not overflow you. You're not going to drown because of that. It's a big deal to cross a river, especially if you don't have something to get you across there. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom. 
Here's how I've paid for you. I've made Egypt part of the payment. Now, I have started restoring this log house a year and a half ago. And one of the first things I had to do was start taking a, a room apart that's connected my house to my mother-in-law, who is with the Lord, Jan's mom, at, when she, you know, she built on in 1990. And we were having, Patsy and I were having to pay tax, taxes on the, well, not taxes, that would be later, but we were having to pay insurance on it because it was attached. We couldn't, you know, the houses are, act like one with the insurance company. And I can tell you, you know, at first this was kind of exciting, taking stuff apart. And kind of a little bit, could be dangerous. I could fall through. I did fall through a little bit, a few places. But after a year and a half, it, it got old, getting really old the last few months. And um, my wife's living with me, heard my emotional stuff out loud because I'm not good at keeping that inside. And I think about Israel right here. They had come down, the whole family unit had come down because Joseph, you know, had the story. He'd been sold into slavery and ended up, God had been using him, and God had made him second only to Pharaoh. Second to the king of all of Egypt. He sent for his family, his, his father, his brothers, their family, 70 people in all. They all moved down there. They moved to the best land in all of Egypt to live. They like raising animals. And so, you know, give them the best place with the water supply and then plenty of things for the animals to eat. And they had it really, really good. And then Pharaoh died. Joseph said, you know, take me back home to where I'm from. You know, and they did. And Pharaoh died and a new Pharaoh came. And he's, in effect, like, I don't have a relationship with these people that Joseph had with them. I'm just going to turn them into my, keep my cattle. So they started doing that, and they were kind of multiplying because they were, they were growing, the Jewish people were. And so, you know, Egyptians like to build things that last a really long time, so pretty soon they weren't just keeping cattle, they were making bricks, baking those. And this went on and on and on and on and on and on. And what was it, 400 years? Is that what it was? It was a long time. And they started crying out to get free. And God raises up Moses and sends Moses saying, I've come God sent me to free you? Yeah, well, we don't know who you are, really. He sent me to free you, and, he, and I'm going to go before Pharaoh and talk to him. And he does. He goes with his brother, with Aaron, and says, God says, let my people go. Mm, no, I really like the bricks. Here's what I'll do. 
I'll tell them to make bricks without straw. They'll be, a little, they'll be heavier, they'll be harder to work with, it'll take more mud. Bricks without straw. You'll end up having ten plagues and stuff, you know, and it kills the firstborn of Egypt all die during the night. That the angel comes over and all the Jewish people's firstborn don't because, you know, the story and the blood on the doorpost. And eating with, eating supper, the first Passover, Passover, the angel of death, they call it Passover. He tells them, Moses says, tonight the angel of death's going to come through. I want you to put blood on the doorpost from this lamb that you have slaughtered. I want it to be a lamb without blemish, without nothing. I want it to be perfect. I want you to let it live in the house with you, sort of like Karen's dog. You know, keep this, keep this like, a, like a pet. And, but then I want you to kill it. I want you to eat it, and I want you to put all your, your clothes that you wear when you're going on a journey, I want you to put those clothes on in your house to have supper and take the blood of this lamb and put it on each side and on the top. It's going to form a cross because it's dripped down. And when the angel of death passes through to take the firstborn of every household, he will see the blood on the door and will pass over your house. So do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I have given Egypt as your ransom, the firstborn. Firstborn of Pharaoh dies. You know, you've seen the movie version or you've read it. And then... You know, they've left. They're down to the edge of the Red Sea. It's a big place. We're in a little bit of trouble. Pharaoh is now, he's, ang- you know, first he's grieving for his firstborn child, and now he's angry. They've left. Why did I let them go? I just, let, I just, in the moment of emotional whatever, he sends the army after them of Egypt. Chariots and everything. It's going to be messy. The people start getting really crazy because they can see the cloud of the army of, of Egypt coming from behind them where they've come. And here's a body of water in front of them. And Moses is starting to complain to God. And God says, hold out your staff. So despite the fact that Moses knows God pretty well compared to the rest of them, he holds out his staff and the water separates. And dry ground forms because of the wind blowing, I guess, holding back the water. They cross. Egypt follows them on the dry ground. They get to the other side, and just when they get to the other side, God tells Moses, now, put down your staff. The water's clothes fill back up, drowns the Egyptian army, chariots, people, Everything right there. And they throw a big party. Because I don't think they planned it. I think it was a spontaneous party. Wouldn't you, had you been your father's, your father's 400 years, 
of captivity. You've long, no one's alive that remembers the only stories of Goshen and living on the, on the best of the land and Joseph, a Jewish boy, his coat of many colors, all, all of these stories handed down. Stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all their stories, but they're, but they're long since stories because we just make bricks and take care of, you know, the animals for the Pharaoh's household. And after all these ten plagues and all this stuff and the angel of death passing over and they, they've left at night and they've crossed, they've crossed the Red Sea, has been pushed back, and is dry, and they cross the other side, and the whole Egyptian army where they thought they were going to die in a few minutes, they are drowned. Parts of their stuff is floating up on the shore. What would you say to each other? Jamie, we're free. It's over. Moses wasn't lying to us, he and Aaron. We are free. You're free. Your house, no one there. Your son doesn't have to make bricks. It's not your future. It's a new future. It's a new beginning. Our culture is the new year. No, this is the beginning of a new time. A new thing. We are on the other side of the Red Sea. Off in the distance is Egypt. There's wilderness all around us, but we are free. We need to celebrate God. We need to celebrate what's happened. We have just completed the first part of the celebration. Jesus was born. We counted down in the season of Advent. He was born. And not many days from now, we'll enter Lent and we'll start counting down to Easter. You can't have Easter without his birthday. Mary having a baby boy. She and Joseph. Joseph raising him like it's his own. Told him a dream. Told him to go down to, isn't that funny? Tell him to go down to Egypt and hang out in Egypt to get away from the king in Israel. Just trying to kill all the children. In fact, he's going to kill all the boys around Bethlehem two years and down. And. Isn't the Bible just a wild story of the truth? Your lives are wild stories of the truth that God loves you like this. I've given Egypt as a ransom. I've given Ethiopia and the surrounding area. Verse 4, and since you are precious, since, since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. I don't even know what that means except that it's costly. Verse 5, do not fear, for I am with you. 
I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west, and I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name and who I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. There is a type and shadow of this, 1948, when the airplanes start landing in Israel with Jewish people, and they have a foothold of being back, of a people group that's never happened before where their language became as no one was speaking their language. The rabbis and all of them, they all and their and their college professors got together, started what they could read, but they didn't know what it exactly sounded like. They worked that all out <clears throat> until they everybody went to school to learn to speak. Because they're all from different countries. And now when you go there and you speak with them, they're speaking a language that was dead and been born again. Amazing things have gone on with God's people and his grafted own children, you and I, grafted on to this tree. Look at verse 10 for a minute. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed. There will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. It is I who has declared and saved and proclaimed, and there was no strange God among you. So you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Even from eternity I am he, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? So as in Western culture, the, the Christianity is not as strong as it was. And many have, and they don't say it in their words, but what they're saying is, ah, where is the God that created stuff? They question it. And the witness is, is, is you and your relationship with God is the testimony to others that he is alive and well. Because you interact with him, then you have a story to tell, the truth. And they need him just as much as you and I need him. And you don't know which ones of them are going to get to know him or not. So we tell everybody he puts in front of us kind of in, in that way that God's alive and well. And in fact, let's pray for you. Let's just see what he might want to do. Isaiah 43, verse 18 through 21. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. 
Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. And will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will glorify me and the jackals and the ostriches because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. There, within this is hints of the Messiah coming, hints of John the Baptist being out in the wilderness, all this stuff written from Isaiah, the prominent prophet of the Old Testament a thousand years before Jesus was born. We get all these glimpses of Messiah's coming. That's why the young guys, they, they've heard this, uh, whether they read it or they listened to their rabbis in their local synagogues, they knew this stuff. And they were not just knew it like, well, isn't that a great little story we we read it a couple of times a year. We read it, you know, when we're celebrating the Passover and stuff. No, these guys knew this as young men occupied by the Romans on every street corner, so to speak, and they were looking. They were looking. They heard of John the Baptist down <clears throat> baptizing in the river. <clears throat> it was kind of strange. He, they heard about it, and yeah, he does. You know, he, he lives off of honey and locusts. He's weird, but when you hear him talk, he's convincing. When people are getting, they're going down, and he's putting them underwater like they're dead and buried and raised again, you know, and he, and their and their hearts are pricked, and they're saying, "Well, what what must we do?" Well, if you got two coats, give one to another person. If a Roman soldier asks you to carry his armor one mile, carry it two miles. He gives them practical things to do, but he's preaching every day. These young guys are saying, are you the one? Meaning, Messiah. Are, are you the anointed one? He goes, nope, I'm not the one. I'm so unworthy that I am not holy enough to untie his sandal. He's referring to like the guy that works for Nick. You know, there's people who would be outside of people's homes that, you know, just to live, they'd give them a tiny piece of money to clean off their sandals from walking the streets in the different places. And he says, I am not worthy to be the person that sits outside, the, the poorest working person in our culture that cleans off from walking the streets. I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not worthy of that. And of course, this is John the Baptist talking. They would go, well, wow. He says, but there's one coming. And then the day that Jesus comes down and says, John, I want you to baptize me. Me baptize you? Yes. So that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He baptized him, and when he came up out of the water, John could see that it looked like a dove coming out of the sky and landed upon him. 
and went into him. These young guys looking, hanging out down there because something's going on with John. There wasn't anything else going on around. And they noticed Jesus. And they said to him, Where are you staying? And he said, Come and follow me and I'll show you. Pretty soon, he's collected the people God's telling him to collect, these disciples. And they're training for him as you go with a master teacher and you, and you, you know, learn from them until you become a teacher. They've gone to start following him. The roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. And you hear echoes and all of that. Jesus would say, if you're thirsty, come and I will give you something to drink. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Well, I just did that part. That's Luke 3, verse 15. I kind of did it off the cuff there. Let, let me go to one more practice. Acts Chapter 8, verse 14. Time's moved on. And when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that, the, that Samaria had received the word of God, they believed that Jesus is who, he, who they've been preaching, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And he had, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them, and they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when they began laying their hands on them, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. There is nothing different between you and them. You meet people that want more, and they've invited Jesus into their heart, and they want more. You said, well, then let's pray for the Holy Spirit to come. It's not you, it's him. You're just the one asking. But your father hears you. He's paid for you a long time ago. You're, you're grafted on to this tr Jewish tree, you know. You're a limb that's perfectly good. You're strong. You're producing fruit of just like them. And he's paid for them and paid for you through, you know, we just read, Egypt, these different people groups. You've been chosen through what you have to do to quicken your relationship with him. Don't make it something because advertisers know that people want to like, well, I'm going to lose wait in this year, I'm going to do this, and people make all kind of New Year's resolutions. Don't make a, revolution, a resolution out of it. Just go do it because you're paid for. He loves you. He so loves you that he spent Jesus as a payment for you.
Jesus so loves you that he endured the cross. He went through it, every piece of it that the Father asked him to do. We get caught up, we don't hear it in the words, this is my beloved son. But what's another word for that? This is, this is my boy. This is my son. Father's saying he's just like me. My beloved son whom I'm well pleased. I am so elated with how he does everything. He does everything rightly. Exactly right. He gets angry, but he doesn't sin. Go flip all the tables in the temple from the money changers, but he didn't sin. Make a whip out of some stuff. Drive them out. He wasn't sinning. He was just telling it like it is. My father's house is a house of prayer, and you have made it a robber's den. Get to know him again, afresh. If you're a Christian and you've read the Bible a lot, it's easy to just read through it and not treat it like you've never seen it before. Like it's the very first time. But each part is unfolding. If you want to make a New Year's resolution, I'll end with this. That when, as best you can, when you talk to God about the things in your life, make sure you leave time to listen. It's a two-way conversation. It's not just you coming with your want list or whatever. Freshen our hearts, Lord. Freshen our minds. May your kingdom will come in line in our bodies wherever we have a need of help. Touch us. Our whole being to align with you. Put your assignments in our minds, our hearts. Just give us, just set up assignments that we don't even plan. That just, it just, right place, right time. We just, we know that we come to aware of it in the middle of it or after it's just passed. Freshness, Lord. Newness, Lord. Repentance, turning from things. In your name, we're the head and not the tail. Not, the, not pride in it, it's just that we are not wagging the dog. You have a good Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.